Yeah, and it's so magical to put your body through that sort of torture every single day and it not just fall apart. <laughs> There are moments I like we go into town and everyone's doing the hiker wobble and I'm just waiting for my body to give up on me and it didn't. And there's there's so much magic in that for me. Just it, I got into a point where my shoes we were we were probably Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast, where I get to pull up a seat at the campfire and have a conversation about all things through hiking. Those first hundred miles, the blisters, and unpacking your fears. I'm Erin Egan, and today's guest is Sea Lion, known off trail as Nandi Singleton. She had a serious case of imposter syndrome when she hit the PCT in 2018. Coming from a background with limited hiking, it took hundreds of miles for her to feel like she belonged. In this episode, we unpack that and talk about being a minority on trail, body image and how the trail can mess with your head, becoming a risk-esque taker, and that one rainy day. You can find this episode at hiking-through.com, as well as on our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Sea Lion. Let's get this party started. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I love your journey on the Pacific Crest Trail. I love your your evolution on the trail, so to speak. Thank did it, you. Did it feel like an evolution to you as you were doing it or absolutely? an absolute evolution. Um, I, I've said it multiple times, but starting the trail, I did not know that I would, or didn't believe that I would actually finish. Uh, I, I definitely had a serious case of imposter syndrome where I just felt like I did not belong on the trail because I had no backpacking experience really prior to, um, on top of being the only black woman I'd come in contact with. So I just felt like, am I in the right place? Um, <laughs> but, you know, as, as the, as we got through the trail, um, I of course made great friends who have become pretty much family at this point. And I came to realize that, um, it was important not only to me because I sacrificed so much to be there, but, I wanted to prove to myself that as a black woman, as someone who didn't have a ton of backpacking experience that I could do it. Um, I was worthy of completing the trail. Um, mm. and that, uh, you know, it was, it was well worth the sacrifices I'd made to get there and that any change and evolution, as you say, that we, 
experience through life is not supposed to be easy. Oftentimes it's very difficult and you're constantly second guessing yourself. Um, so yeah. it, it changed me for the better as I feel like it does most people. I, you used a really interesting word in there that I, that I want to delve into a little bit more. And you mm -hmm. said worthy of yes. being there. And that is such a interesting word choice. Mm -hmm. Why were you questioning, I guess, your worthiness to be there, to be on the trail? Because where I come from, I come from the uh, inner city of Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, throughout my lifetime, and especially young adulthood and, and um, adolescence, I was always taught to strive and achieve to be, you know, financially stable and go to college and, you know, do all of these um, super predictable things that, uh, <laughs> that are supposed to make you feel whole. And, mm -hmm. um, and with that, I felt like I was in a way betraying myself by stepping out of that and doing something completely, <laughs> you know, completely off the rails as far as my mother was concerned and, and everyone around me was concerned. Um, so I didn't really feel like I had the right to be doing that because I was supposed to be in my cushy corporate job, like climbing the ranks and, and making money and, and elevating in that way. But I was not meant to be out on, the, you know, out on a trail, not working and <laughs> enjoying nature and enjoying uh, myself um, and getting to know me better. I didn't think that I was supposed to be doing that. Interesting. Yeah. That path, the expectation path mm -hmm. specifically is so pervasive. I mean, mm -hmm. and not only just about whether you can do the trailer or should do the trailer or not, but just across the board. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, oh. absolutely. Absolutely. And having growing up in a single parent household that was constantly being instilled in me that, I had to be good at what I did and I had to be the best at what I did. And so um, when I flipped it on my mom being like, well, <laughs> you told me I had to be the best at what I do. So right now what I'm going to go do is this. <laughs> and she's like, that's not what I'm dare at. you. <laughs> How dare you twist my words. Um, but yeah, it was also a, a pivotal moment for me in my adulthood to be like, to stand firm in what I decided to do with my life. Because up until that point, um, a lot of what I did was I did things that I made decisions that I made because I knew that I was expected to make mm -hmm. those decisions, not necessarily because I wanted to. Um, so this was like the first time in my adulthood that I was like, yeah, I'm going to just go do something completely different and, 
it was tough, but um, eventually I made it there. So it was great. When you say you made it there, meaning you made it to the trail or you made it to Canada? Made it to the trail. (laughs) (laughs) Made it. I did. I did. uh, Yes. But I meant like making it to the actual trail, which in itself was a journey. (laughs) Yeah. Your boyfriend, now fiance, also hiked with you or you guys were were a couple hiking the trail that year, uh, 2018, but he had previously hiked the AT. Was that part of what, or actually maybe let me just step back and say like, so how were you introduced to the trail or, or the concept even of the trail? Yeah. So my, uh, my partner space jam, um, he hiked the AT in 2017 and we actually hadn't spoken in like three or four years. Um, and somehow through Snapchat or something got reconnected and we were just texting back and forth and he was like, yeah, I'm getting ready to hike the Appalachian trail. And I was like, okay, like how long is that going to take? He said, yeah, I'm I'm taking a leave of absence from my job. Um, It'll be like five or six months. And I had never heard of that concept. I've done day hikes. I've done overnight, you know, camping, car camping trips, but I'd never heard of anyone hiking an entire trail from point A to point Z. Um, And so he hiked it that summer and we stayed in touch and he runs a blog. So he kept that pretty up to date. And I was just so in awe of one, all the experiences he had, but also the fact that he could walk you know, 2,100 miles in five months. And so when he got back, uh, he said that he was going to hike the PCT. And I said, well, if there was one of the three that I, of the major three (laughs) (laughs) trails I was going to hike, it would be that one. So sign me up. And so then from there we started planning and, and yeah. So I I found out about through hiking from him. Essentially through him and through his blog, because I'm sure as Mm -hmm. as he's blogging about it, you're, you're getting your first education in, uh, in hiker trash. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he just finished his triple crown, uh, December of 2019. Right. Yeah. I saw that. I saw mm-hmm. that. You, when you say, you know, you're following his journey and, and, um, so when he says PCT, you're like, if that's the one, that's the one. Yeah. But I have to suspect that like that conversation in your head wasn't quite that simple. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I arrived to that place. (laughs) Every single point of uh, decision-making up until getting to the PCT was a journey within itself. So um, I, of course, I was enamored by the concept of it. Uh, I, I hadn't done a ton of research because when, whenever we do sort of adventure trips, we don't like to look at pictures too much because we don't want to feel like once we get there, the view or the experience has been spoiled. 
So I didn't do a ton of research on in, in that way, but I started looking at blogs and uh, seeing other people's journeys and stuff like that. And I just, I love the West Coast as well. So <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I've never, I've always wanted to live on the West Coast. So I was like, well, I can live there for five months if I walk the whole coast. Uh, so yeah, it, I mean, of course, I had to think about work and my apartment and uh, finances and just even how not working for five to six months would change, potentially change the trajectory of my career, which is, as I told you, something that has been <laughs> nailed into my skull. Yeah. Um, I, it was a difficult decision. Uh, but ultimately, I realized that, um, as I've said before, I needed, I felt like at that point in my life, I needed to do something that would kind of jolt me out of autopilot. Um, and this just happened to be that thing. You were definitely speaking hiker language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you've kind of alluded to your mom's resistance mm -hmm. uh, to it. Um, but I would love to hear more about like what her, cause she had to evolve as well on in that journey with you. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm assuming probably some of your friends and whatever, it's the same thing. Like they had to get over the initial, no, you can't do that. That's not what you do to, Oh, of course, this is what she's going to do. And we're going to follow along with her. Yeah. It, it took my mom a while to get there. <laughs> she, after I told her immediately when I told her, she just was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. You are not doing that. You're crazy. You've worked so hard. You have so much other, there's so many other things you can do. <laughs> like why that? Uh, and then as we continued to have conversations and I was just like, I'm, I'm doing it though. And she'd be like, but what about bears and wildlife? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing it still. And uh, eventually she came to understand that I was staying firm in it and that as much as she doesn't want me to be, I am an adult who <laughs> can make <laughs> my own decisions. And she also realized that I am a, a generally level-headed person and I don't make rash decisions without thinking about the whole. And mm -hmm. so she eventually was like, I have faith in you. I, I have had faith in you your entire life. If, if I need to, uh, if I have to support this, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And so after... After I'd say about a month or so, she was really, really into it. She's like, well, she started doing research. And by the time we were heading out to the trail, she was packing all sorts of snacks up for Kevin or Space Jam and I. And she agreed. It, it was also about having her involved in the process. Yeah. So uh, 
she was very excited to go on trips to Sam's Club. And she was very excited about going to the post office to send me, you know, packages and things like that. So the more involved I got her, uh, the more at ease she felt. Was she celebrate like as you started doing the trail and as you were getting as you were progressing up it, did she celebrate like those moments, those, you know, oh, we finished the desert. Oh, we're, you know, halfway through the Sierras. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Really? She was just like, oh yay, you guys are almost home. You're getting closer to being back. (laughs) Um, and she she also didn't do a ton of research to my mom is very much so an indoorsy loves her comfort zone type of a person. Uh, So she loved when we would send her pictures, but she was just like, I don't, I don't need to know the gory details of this (laughs) thing. I just need for you guys to be back. So (laughs) don't get injured. Don't get kidnapped, get home. So yeah, that was basically that what was her biggest fear for you doing the trail I think there were a couple of them uh I think the main one for her was that I would somehow lose sight of life and just never come home I think that she thought I was maybe spiraling (laughs) maybe having a quarter life crisis or something. Yeah. Uh, and I think that she also just wanted me to be safe. I have always prior up until that point, I'd always lived super close to home where if something had happened, I was at most 20 minutes away, a 20 minute drive away. And, you know, if something happened with her, something happened with me, we could easily pick up and be there within 20 minutes. But being on the West coast, being in the middle of, you know, not having cell service, that was very difficult for her because we, I'm the youngest of her children as well. So it's like the babies. babies. (laughs) She's done with me. She's, she's leaving me. And it's like, no mom, I'm not leaving you. I'm not abandoning you. This isn't the end of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go have an experience and I'll be back. And uh, so I tried my best to alleviate that anxiety with text messages and phone calls, which her and my grandmother very much so looked forward to getting phone calls from us whenever we were in town. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. What was your biggest fear before hitting the trail? My biggest fear was that I wouldn't make it, that I had given up my my luxuries and my comfort um, and my predictability, and I would go and and attempt a thing and not not reach the goal. Um, and I that kind of stuck with me for, I'd probably say at least half of the trail where I realized that it was no longer, it was always a physical thing, but it was, it had become less of a physical thing. It became more of a mental thing. And I was 
worried that I wouldn't be able to mentally uh, sustain myself throughout that five months. What do you, when you, what do you mean by that mentally? What I, like keeping my head in the game, keeping myself in it, being like, yes, my body hurts. Um, yes, this is the longest <laughs> walk of all time. <laughs> Uh, but I have a goal in mind and I'm going to stick with it. There were multiple times throughout the trail that I was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make it. But every single day I had to talk myself into, you can do this. You're going to make it like you're strong enough. It's just in your mind at this point. Those moments that you're talking about where you didn't think you were going to make it, was that about pain and discomfort or the challenge of climbing one more peak or or mountain or whatever or something else? A big part of it was a sense as a as I alluded to before, like my sense of belonging. I didn't feel like I had uh I didn't feel like I had a community really. Um Especially because, so the the day before we started, we stayed at Scout and Frodo's. And I remember walking in and being like, okay, like, this is cool. Everyone's really chill and just hanging out. And then we all started to talk and, and mingle. And everyone seemed to know so much about hiking and backpacking. And people were having conversations about, gear and other hiking, other backpacking trips that they had done. And I'm just like, I can't contribute anything to this conversation. So I'm just kind of like a wallflower. Um, And I, I think that because we were on the trail, a lot of conversations um, defaulted to other hiking trips and other backpacking trips so I didn't really have for, for at least four to 600 miles plus didn't have people that I, outside of my boyfriend, um, I didn't have an, anyone I really felt like I connected with on a person to person level because everyone else seemed to be so greatly connected to backpacking. I was just getting my footing in and didn't really have much to contribute to those conversations. So that was pretty tough. Um, and then in addition, I um, was often the only person of color in, in my groups. So I couldn't really relate to someone, you know, we get into town and having to spend extra time moisturizing and conditioning my hair and braiding it and all that stuff. Like people were just like, what is going on? What are you doing? And it's like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't go to this thing because I need to spend two hours conditioning and rebraiding my hair. Um, so all of those things uh, outside, in, in, in addition to also being so greatly out of my comfort zone, I was constantly second guessing myself. It made you feel separate from? Yeah. Yeah. Out there? Yep. How 
it, I was, I listened to your, your podcast with Twerk mm. and love him. Likewise. A doll. Adore him. Um, <laughs> and you made a com- you made a reference about uh, black person radar. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, in terms of <laughs> feeling part, you know, or feeling a connection yes. with, with somebody while out yes. there. Yeah. It's, a, it's funny that you bring that up because I was thinking about that yesterday and uh what was it last it couldn't have been last year um because no one did anything last year um summer summer of 2019 uh space jam and i went to the trail days on the at and there was this amazing fire circle and Kevin and I had to, Space Jam. I keep calling him Kevin because his name is Kevin. <laughs> I don't call him Space Jam <laughs> on the day to day. But Space Jam and I had talked about uh, Black Person Radar. And he, obviously he's white. So he's like, I don't get what that is. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we walk up to this fire circle and everyone's just chanting and, and walking around the fire and then this black guy walks around and he just nods at me and he's like, yeah. And, and Kevin was like, is that it? Was that it? And I was like, that is it. <laughs> you know, he's just like, we acknowledge each other. We didn't have to say anything. It's just like, I see you. I got you. Uh, and that is very, very comforting and super powerful for us. It's like, it's really nice. It's really nice. The feeling of being seen. hmm and was that a, because of feeling out of your depth and because of not having the hiker stories to contribute and stuff like that, did that, because I'm, I'm assuming that as, as you were hiking, even if you didn't necessarily see people on the trail, like when you were going into towns, you know, you would see people of color um, and the acknowledgement there, you know, I see you, I see the hard thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we appreciate what that is. Yeah. That was one of my favorite in trail pastimes. Was like, <laughs> all I need is to just see one person of color and I'll be, my cup will be full. <laughs> my heart will be full. I, I did make a nice connection with a woman at the post office and big bear. And she was just my biggest supporter. And she even, I had a package from my mom that hadn't arrived yet. And she bounced it ahead to write wood for me. And I texted her every once in a while on the trail. And she's just like, you're awesome. So proud of you. Like keep going. So it was even those sorts of things that was like keeping me going. It's, it's interesting because so much of the conversation around the trail and, and so much of people's memories of the trail are about the community are Mm -hmm. about the people Mm -hmm. and it would make it 10 times harder if you don't feel the community. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was tough for, for the first, for the first, 
first month or so, it was really tough. And I had, I had made a friend and her name is, her trail name is Songbird. And she. Caro? Yeah, Caro. Yeah. I love Caro. Oh yeah. She was, she was my first trail friend and her and I uh, talked a lot about finding, finding our thing on the trail because Kevin's thing on the trail was photography. So he had something that he could pour himself into outside of just hiking every day. And I didn't really have a thing. So I was like, well, while I'm trying to find my community, maybe I should come up with a thing. And then I tried to come up with a thing of interviewing people and talking to them. And I was like, well, my heart's not really in it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tried journaling and that lasted for like three days. Like my heart's not really in it. And I just decided that I just needed to be in the moment and just experience, you know, something I'd never experienced before. But then eventually we found our trail family um, made up of two two Canadians and a bunch of other (laughs) 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 a hodgepodge of other folks. Uh, And we, as, as I said before, they've become my family outside of the trail. And even with them, it took me a while to refind because I I felt so out of place in a lot of settings. I wasn't really being myself. And I'm a very, I'm a social introvert. (laughs) So I I like in, in social settings, I like to be, uh, I like to be interactive and I like to learn about people and I like to feel uh, a part of the group. But there are a lot of times, especially toward the beginning, where I was felt myself retreating and I wasn't engaging with people. And even Space Jam was like, are you okay? Because this isn't really like you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel right. <laughs> I don't feel a part of this. But once we got our trail family, we started to get our footing and they were just genuinely nice people. Um, I started to open up more to them. And then eventually with other people, I was able to to be more of myself. But that was a, a difficult um, thing to do. And I don't I don't completely understand why it. It took me so long, um, but I think I just had to s- talk myself out of thinking because it had a couple of interactions where people had asked me questions about being black and asked me about how I felt about being there to where at at points I felt like I'm walking into the situation and everyone's looking at me and being like, <laughs> wow, what are you doing here? And I'm waiting for people to ask like, to go ahead and just ask the questions so we can get past it. Um, but I often felt mis- like I was just on the outside looking in, like I wasn't really actually a part of the community, which then became one of the reasons why I wanted to finish was to be like, no, I'm not the first black woman to ever hike the trail. And we need more. Like I would love to see more black women doing it. So 
I owe it to myself and owe it to them to be able to go back to my, to my cousins and, and, you know, my, my nephew and say, this space is for us as well. Like you can go and, and do that if you, if you choose to, um, and that the space is, is, uh, accepting and a safe space for us to enjoy as well. As uncomfortable as you were feeling out there, did it feel safe? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I never, I had like one infamous encounter, but (laughs) um, other than that, you know, no one ever made me feel like I didn't belong. No one ever made me feel like I couldn't be there, that I shouldn't be there. That was really mostly me in my own head Mm. creating, um, creating a barrier for myself. Um, and that's not to say that people might not have been thinking it, but no one actually said it right. to me. Yeah. yeah. How, besides for like spreading the word, besides for having the conversations and, and, and trying to show people that the trail is for everyone. Like, do you have any thoughts on, other ways to make the idea of doing a trail, particularly the longer trails, more welcoming or more yeah. even a thought. Yeah. You know, I've, I've thought about this because I've been asked this, like a variation of this question before, and it's difficult. It's a difficult question to answer because I think a big part of it will have to be societal changes and um economic like it's it's i think it's much bigger than the outdoor industry and the outdoor community making people feel comfortable to go and do it Mm -hmm. um i think you know where i come from there weren't even any trails within 30 minute drive you know and where in my neighborhood, there weren't a ton of parents who even had vehicles. So they're not thinking about taking their kid to hike a trail. And I know tons of people who have worked themselves into a place where they love their comforts and they love their their warm bed. So the idea of sleeping on a sleeping pad for five months sounds terrible. Uh, and then... you you know, and then there are people who just can't afford it. So I think, yes, the outdoor community should be being more inclusive and obviously uh, spreading the stories of people who people of color who are doing these trails and who are out there doing the work. Uh, But I think it's, it's a bigger, bigger changes need to happen so that people feel that they can um, have the luxury of being able to do a long trail. And I think, unfortunately, um, because of the disparity and the systemic racism that we all know mm-hmm. is a part of this country, it's difficult to make that shift until other things change as well. Yeah. And I can believe or would believe that 
a piece of that as well is, I mean, even just knowing about the trails, but to, to make the step, to take the step, you have to conceive of yourself doing the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that applies to so much more than just hiking the trails. I mean, it applies to jobs. It applies to careers. It applies mm-hmm. to relationships. It applies to so exactly. much, but you have to be able to see yourself doing it, that it exists, period. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I, and I also think that I know in, in Baltimore, there's uh, a new organization of called like Black Women Hike Baltimore, which is awesome. You know, those sorts of things are popping up. There are people who are trying to get, you know, there's outward bound and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there are programs. But it, again, I think oftentimes when you struggle and you've experienced a lot of struggle in life, a lot of Black people I know are just going to be like, nah, (laughs) you didn't have air conditioning for five months. You're crazy. (laughs) And then dead of summer, no way, which makes complete sense. (laughs) That's a very legitimate thing, you know? Yeah. It's like, "Mm." but you have a bed though. (laughs) It's like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But yeah. You have air conditioning, you have a bed, you have a car. Exactly. It doesn't take you three days to walk 50 miles. It can take you, you know, 50 minutes. Exactly. Or an hour or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I think those thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I legitimately go, okay, I know that I want to do this. And Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this for a long time. But there is something to be said. (laughs) <laughs> good exactly. air conditioning exactly exactly yeah what I told uh before I before I left I told one of my younger cousins and she just looked at me and she was like do you get a prize at the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, the prize is getting there <laughs> she's like I don't like that <laughs> so you mean to tell me you're walking 200 and like 2600 plus miles just to do it. And I'm like, yeah. Concept. She did not get it. And I was like, well, yeah, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that is not something that just she thinks, honestly. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. There are, I'm sure that you met people along the trail as you were, you know, coming into town or hitchhiking or whatever, where you would have people who would go, why are you doing that? Like, what yeah. is the point? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you crazy yeah yep (laughs) but did that sort of like almost reinforce the point of doing it so to Mm -hmm. speak Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah (laughs) see I'm, i'm soaking this all in because i i i was supposed to do it last year i didn't and so now i'm pushing it off for a few years till we get on the other side of this COVID thing. Yeah. Um, and I replenished my bank account mm-hmm. and uh, everybody's stories, everybody's inspiration, everybody's yeah. affirmation mm-hmm. is sort of the, the thing that keeps me connected to the trails and, and connected to, yeah, this is, it's a meaningful thing. There's a, 
purpose for hiking is 2,650 miles, you know? Yeah. And it's so magical to put your body through (laughs) that sort of torture every single day and it not just fall apart. (laughs) There are moments I like we go into town and everyone's doing the hiker wobble And I'm just waiting for my body to give up on me. And it didn't. And there's, there's so much magic in that for me. Just, I got into a point where my shoes, we were, we were probably 200 miles away from Canada and my shoes were literally falling apart and Space Jam was gluing and sewing them together because we were just like, we just got to make it these last 200 miles. And I'd have every single day, I'd be like, all right, I'm out. And he'd be like, okay, because I had to warm warm up my feet because they'd be so hurty <laughs> and swollen. But once I'm like, all I got to do is get through the first mile and then I'm good for the rest of the day. But it's just so amazing how much our bodies can handle and, and withstand and get stronger. Um, I was probably obviously the this, this most strongest I'd ever been in my life at the end of that. Yeah. And, and it not only physically strong, but mentally strong to be able to look back and say, holy crap, I literally walked to Canada from Mexico. That's really awesome. I can do hard things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I can do hard things that I never would have thought I would do or didn't even know I would do even a year ago. What was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself, either physically, mentally, or both? Um, I'd probably say that I, I didn't, I always thought of myself as ambitious, but I didn't think I was that ambitious. And I realized that I had a lot more mental fortitude than I allowed myself to believe I had. Even looking back at it now, I still can't believe that I actually did it. But it's like, I've done an experience and I've, as we all have, you know, have worked through many difficult things in life where it's like, I'm never going to make it out of this. Um, but doing that just, it gave me a, a different sense of I can, I can do anything because a lot of the other things I've been through in life, I thought were just things that, um, were a lot of traumas and things that a lot of black people go through that I was just like, well, I've been taught since I was younger that I have to go through these things and I'm going to make it through and I'm strong and I'm this and I'm that. But this was something I completely, (laughs) complete self-inflicted and I went through with it. And that was really, really, I don't have words. You know, it's, it's still, it's still a, um, I'm still in awe of that accomplishment. It's one of my greatest accomplishments. As you should be. That is huge. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which I think is part of the reason why everybody wants to do it or, or yeah. like goes for it is to prove themselves against, you know, to throw themselves against the mountains and the pain and all of that stuff and see if they can come through it. Yeah, absolutely. And the insanity of the whole <laughs> task. Yeah. And, and, and it's great too, because once you have your, your bubble of people, it's like, we're just all a group of crazies out here. <laughs> stinking and eating. <laughs> And hurting and just yeah, doing this thing. It's really great. Was there, because I, I would imagine like in the, actually, let me step back from that for a second, <laughs> because you have a quote in one of the pictures that you posted on Instagram uh, from the desert that says uh, that day or that moment feels like the devil's ball sack. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Which is so like... Exactly. It's spot on. It's exactly. <laughs> like I could picture that. Yes, it is. It, you can feel it. Yeah. You can feel that. It was, it was very, very, very hot. And I, in, in it, I was like, the desert is beautiful, but I want out. And after I finished, the desert was my favorite section. What? Flipped it for you. I loved. So at the beginning, so I met my trail family in the desert. Um, I got my trail name in the desert. When we got to Kennedy Meadows, that feeling, Kennedy Meadows South, um, that, that feeling of togetherness, like all of us were like, heck yeah, we made it to the Sierras, like that, all of that feeling on top of it being extremely dry. So it was like, we didn't have to worry about uh, drying out gear or anything <laughs> like that. And then also the sense of community with all of the trail angels that were, you know, making sure there were water caches and stuff like that. It may also made me feel connected. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just my favorite part. And I got my, you know, it was, it's my baby. It was my first, my introduction to backpacking, um, where I got my trail legs, where I got my hiker hunger, all <laughs> of, you know, all of that great stuff. Um, the first. All my firsts. Yeah. Oregon was, was a close, close second. A close second. What about Oregon did you fall in love with? The scenery for sure. All of the mountains, the difference in Northern California and Oregon, where Northern California wasn't terrible terrain wise, but it was incredibly smoky because of all the wild wildfires. Uh, and Oregon, you know, everyone says Oregon is flat. Oregon is not flat. It's <laughs> relatively flat (laughs) compared to the Sierras in Washington. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's easier in comparison to those places. I can see what you're getting at. Um, But it was, it was very enjoyable. I really enjoyed the hiking. The uh, trail was very well maintained. We started to pass South Bounders. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Uh, 
And also because we were finally out of California. <laughs> so I was like, That's a huge that. moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yay, something new. Mm-hmm. When you hit Kennedy Meadows South and you're heading into the mountain, I don't, I don't know about what time of the year you hit there. Cause I don't, so I don't know how much snow was, was mm-hmm. there. It wasn't a heavy snow year, luckily. No, it was not. It was not. Uh, we got to Kennedy Meadows South. I think like June 7th ish okay. around about that time. Uh, Cause we started on May 7th. So I think we got there exactly a month later and there wasn't a ton of snow. There was definitely some snow, but uh, one of my favorite days was the uh, climb up forced, I always call it, I always want to call it Forrest Whitaker Pass, but it's, <laughs> it's Forrester's Pass. <laughs> dropping- Forrest Whitaker would, would be so proud. <laughs> exactly. Somebody needs to put a picture of him on top of the pass. Um, yeah. So dropping down into uh, Kings Canyon, it was just like, what is this place? This is beautiful. Uh yeah, but there wasn't a ton of snow. We didn't have a lot of difficulty um, getting up and over the passes. I think maybe one time we couldn't see the trail or I think it was Pincho Pass or Mirror Pass, one of those. But for the most part, we we were very, very lucky. We didn't even get rain, but only two days and Wow. One of, one of those days was like it, like a sprinkling. So we only actually had one. <laughs> and it was the most miserable day of my life, but. Oh, due to hell. <sighs> so <laughs> we, I didn't think I was going to make it. I'm having a lot of <laughs> feelings right now. Um, so we were. We were exactly like, I can't remember the mileages, maybe I want to say like 27 miles away from, oh God, from, there was a very, so there was a, a closure, I think in that area. So you had to take a different route to get to Stahican or you could take a ferry. So we were like, we're taking the ferry, (laughs) (laughs) but we needed to make it to this town. So uh, we get up, we heard it, it had started raining a little bit the night before, but we were like, okay, we haven't really had any rain. It's probably, it'll probably pass. How bad could it be? Yeah. You know, whatever, 130 days without rain, whatever, we're, we're fine. So we get up the next morning and it's kind of raining, but like very lightly, we pack up, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. And then all of a sudden, it's just torrential downpour. The trail, we can't see it. It's like everything is flooded. Uh, we're walking past tents where people were definitely like, <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, like not doing this today. We're, it stopped for a little bit and then comes back down. So we, we drop down and there's just mud everywhere. So we're clobbering through. 
we want to stop because we're hungry, but we can't stop because it's cold and wet. So we just kept trucking along and it had been raining so hard that we were, I want to say, two miles away from where we wanted to finish for the night. And we had to, there was a river crossing that was not supposed to be as deep as it was. And it was incredibly silty, like you couldn't see anything. And so Space Jam looks at me and he's like, should we just camp? And I was like, no, we have to make it to this ferry. (laughs) (laughs) The ferry, don't forget the ferry. We have to go get the ferry. So we freaking, we hold on to each other. We get across. It's starting to get dark. Both of us are exhausted and just so cold. We reach a campsite that did not exist. So we had to keep walking in the rain, climbing up the side of a mountain. And then he finds and gut hooks this. uh, There is a privy (laughs) that was off off the trail. So he looked at me. I looked at him and I said, Let's go see what's going on (laughs) with this privy area. Because if it's flat, we're done for the night. So we found there was a trail that led to the privy. And we found like a a flat spot on that trail. And we were like, I'm sorry, guys. Whoever needs to go to the privy is just going to have to walk around us because we cannot walk anymore. So we we set up camp and both of us are just like, I'm crying. He's trying not to. He's just like consoling me. I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> what is this? And so then uh, we we slept in the next day and then got up and we were like, okay, it's it wasn't it didn't rain again for the rest of our time. So we we made it, but it, that was a struggle day for sure, a pure struggle day. I, I literally thought when you when you said privy, I thought that you were going to say that you camped in the privy because that's been known <laughs> to happen. <laughs> that would have been the cherry on top of the day. That, that would have been great. We, I would have gladly slept in a privy that night. Like I would have withstood, I would have dealt with whatever came with that because <laughs> that was a, it was a tough day. It was a really tough day. But then it was, we both after you know, when we woke up the next morning and forecast, of course, was like blue skies the rest of the time. We were like, oh, well, I guess we kind of, we kind of deserved it because, <laughs> because we didn't have like really any snow and then we didn't have any rain. So like the one day really sucked, but it was one day and him having hiked the AT, he was just like, whatever yeah i'm sure he got quite rained on mm-hmm. with the at mm-hmm. yeah i mean the fact that you guys got through washington in particular mm-hmm. with only one day of rain is yeah. lucky very, very very lucky washington smiled on you mm-hmm. <laughs> i think washington knew that i was at my like my <laughs> body was at its wits end and it's like if it rains every day i just might <laughs> I know we're only like 50 miles away, but I might, (laughs) I might be done. (laughs) Yeah. And it was really great because we finished uh, September 28th and some of our friends finished a couple days later and we had just missed the first snow. 
And oh. I was like, I don't know about that. Like I, <laughs> Canada might've had to see me later because <laughs> I don't do well with cold, wet feet things. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I hiked in a skirt, which didn't, wouldn't have been the greatest experience. But I'm assuming you had like leggings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, so they were, it was like a skirt with shorts built into them. Um, What is the official term for that? A a skort. skort. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So I, it would have been fine, but on the rain day, all, so I gotten these, Kevin had used this brand of, um, I don't even know what the material was for rain gear, but I had bought them as well. And both of our rain gear just like shredded to pieces because it was, it was raining so much. Like all of our clothes, like everything was just destroyed. Wet. Yeah. 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 It was terrible. So I, I wouldn't have been able <laughs> to use rain gear anyway. <laughs> So we were very, very lucky that it didn't rain and that we didn't catch the snow. Yeah. But I'm assuming (laughs) like when you went into the Sierras that you had micro spikes with you and an ice, you, you guys knew enough about what was coming that you were like, okay, we can. Yeah. Cause it was 2018 was such a low snowpack year and uh, Space Jam was keeping an eye on it. And so we had the gear at home that we could have our parents ship to us if we needed it. But we started without it and we didn't end up needing it. Nice. Because mm-hmm. that's a whole new host of yeah uncertainty, so to speak, because mm-hmm. very few people actually have experience with that with those things. Yeah, which I didn't. I had looked up so many YouTube videos on how to self, what is it? Self-arrest, self-assist. Self-arrest. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I'm that quick. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if I'm going to be able to do that move. So I was hoping for low snow and we, we definitely got that. What we didn't get was low mosquitoes, which was my greatest challenge for the Sierra. They just, they swarmed you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was Space Jam's bug repellent. <laughs> <laughs> they all just clustered. Yeah. At one point, he would walk behind me just to go, like, try to get them away from me. Because he said, I was <laughs> in tears. And he was like, you literally have a cloud of mosquitoes <laughs> following you. And I had, at that point, I was like, I don't want to use DEET. I want to be, I don't want to use DEET. (laughs) By the time we got to basically the end of the Sierra, I was like, give me all the DEET. I need it because I will not survive. Cover me in DEET. Yes, yes, I needed it because I was, I had uh, for at least, I want to say, six months after the trail, I was still healing from all of the bites I had on my legs that I was constantly scratching. Yeah. See that, that would have been definitely a moment where I was like, Oh, don't know about this because (laughs) they'll drive you mad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every (laughs) new, every new, uh, terrain 
on the PCT brings a new gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. (laughs) 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 You're having a flashback. I can see it. I am. I'm seeing, I'm seeing them all. (laughs) I I can imagine because there are moments, I guess going back to the desert, but there Mm -hmm. are moments in the desert where I feel like it starts to sink in like what you're doing and the Mm -hmm. hiker trash of it all. And that kind of thing. Like when you are uh, sheltering or siestaing Mm -hmm. under an overpass, Mm -hmm. you know, or a bridge or a a, a drainage uh, Mm -hmm. tunnel or something like that. Um, And like having that out of body experience of looking around and just being like, Mm-hmm. I, I I would never have pictured my life like this. <laughs> I got mine pretty early on. I got a quick, hearty wake up call in the form of blisters. Oof, mm-hmm. that's another one. Yeah i I was wearing the the incorrect pair of shoes at the beginning for for the desert, and developed these huge blisters on the entire bottom of my bottoms of my feet on both feet. And um, I did have a pair of bedrock sandals I started to hike in because I was like, I'm not doing this. Uh, That was within the first 100 miles. And we got to Mike's place and Space Jam had to cut the blisters off and wrap my feet. And it was just, (laughs) it was an experience. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> so I'm here. We're doing this. This is a thing. This is a thing. And he'd be like, do you want to take a day off? And I was like, well, no, <laughs> the damage is done. <laughs> like, I got new shoes. The damage is done. You've done surgery on my feet. Let's go. We're in here. We're doing this. How? I mean, everybody's probably had blisters at one point or another, but they're usually like, like mm-hmm. minuscule blisters. And those are painful and uncomfortable enough like how were you hiking with I don't know it was superhuman strength it's it's like I have no idea because I think also because I was hiking maybe also because I was not hiking alone I also felt an obligation to try harder Mm -hmm. um because he was an experienced hiker, obviously. And it was also very early on in our actual relationship. (laughs) And nothing like a a relationship test to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, uh, yeah. So we, I, I, I think I also felt an obligation to not give up super easily because we were supporting each other. He was obviously willing to figure out whatever I needed to do, whether it be take extra zero days or, you know, change shoes, whatever I needed. He was there to support me. But I was also like, I mean, it hurts, but we either going to go forward or go back and going back <laughs> like it's just as far as going forward. So I might as well go forward. And uh, yeah. How long did it take for those, even though you got 
you switched. And speaking of that, what were the right shoes for you specifically? I, <laughs> so funny story. So before the trail, I tried the Lone Peak Ultras. Um, I think where we left off was saying, so what shoes did you end up, yeah, ended up working for you? And you were starting to tell that story. Yeah. So I tried the Lone Peaks before and they gave me blisters on a test hike. Um, so I was just like, I'm not doing ultras. I'm not going to be able to do those. Um, so then I got a pair of Keens like boots. And I don't know why I thought waterproof boots were a good idea for the <laughs> desert or why they were even necessary. <laughs> Given that, you know, there are trail angels putting water out because there isn't water. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> don't know what I was thinking there. Um, so then I ended up, we, when we got to Warner Springs, there was, uh, I forget the name of the company, but they were selling shoes there. And so I tried on a couple pairs of shoes and then ended up really, really loving the temps, the, the ultra temps. And they, okay. those were the, those were the shoes that I ended up wearing for the rest of the trail. So there were ultras, but they, but not the Lone Peaks, not what everybody always talks about, but a, a separate. Yep. yep. Um, version. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So those were, they were great. They were, uh, my, I think like with most people, my feet were <laughs> swelling, um, and also growing and getting wider. So it was yeah. nice. The temps are really good. I actually just got a new pair recently for hiking and stuff and they're, they're super comfy. I'll have to look into them cause I've literally never heard of them before. Mm -hmm. They're really good. So I take yeah. it you were there at Warner Springs during the shakedown. Mm -mm -mm. So ultras were just randomly there. Oh, what's the shakedown? I was thinking like a, like a gear shakedown. Yeah. There's basically, I think vendors set up and, mm -hmm. and people, hikers come in and, uh, a lot of times that's where you hear people doing like a big shakedown. Um, oh, yeah. where people go through your pack and go, why do you need this again? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't anything like that. There was just, uh, it was a mobile like, gear store. Mm -hmm. Um, they were in, I think it was like an airstream or something. And, uh, they were the only vendor there. There weren't like other people. Yeah. But I okay. had experienced the shakedown from, from that one a few times where he was like, do you really think you want to bring a canteen? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, I do, but <laughs> I see your point. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything that made it into your bag at the beginning that you were at a certain point where like, you know, because one of the cliches is you pack your fears. Mm -hmm. So was there anything, any of those fears that you packed, I guess, that you at certain point let go of? Nope. I think everything that I started with essentials wise, I ended up having at, at the end. Um, I don't think I even ever sent anything home. Yeah. 
you did really good. Yeah. I mean, I think I also at a, so one, I, I had a, a great person to, to help me. Cause I think if I had just done this on my own without guidance and adult supervision, <laughs> I, I likely would have had a lot of things that I didn't need. Um, but he was, he was great at, at helping me with that. And I think even, I never felt like, uh, you know, even, even thinking about, cause he had his mom send him out certain things that he thought he needed or, or that he wanted. But after a while, I was just like, well, I've been making it with what I have now. So I don't really need anything else. Um, so I never even got my mom to like ship me anything, anything extra. So, yeah. Did that change the way once you got home and you realized that you could literally live out of a backpack, everything that you would need and you get home to your apartment or your whatever and you walk into it and you're like, how much of this do I really need? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I still to this day with the exception of like my desk I'm sitting at and my whiteboard, I can fit everything that I own, like clothes, shoes, toiletries into my hiking backpack. Wow. You took it serious. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I got rid of, I donated so many things. Uh, I sold a lot of stuff. Uh, now we're a little more settled, so we do have some furniture, but I'm always like, we can sell it or we can ship it and whatever we need to do with that, that stuff is replaceable. But um, yeah, I definitely scaled down a whole lot. You feel lighter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I moved to Austin in 2019 when he was starting the CDT. And I literally showed up, drove the car down to Austin with my backpack and a bag or a a tote little bin of spices. That was it. (laughs) That was my life. Yep, that was it. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. how has hiking changed? How has successfully through hiking the PCT changed? what you want for yourself, what you expect for yourself going forward. And in a lot of ways, um, one, I definitely have become more adventurous and more of a risk esque taker. (laughs) I'm, I'm not, I, I don't foresee myself, uh, making any super rash decisions about my life, but, um, I definitely have, had a a thirst for adventure and and seeing other places we've lived we as soon as we got back from the PCT we moved to Colorado and then we came back to Maryland and then we moved and then I moved to Austin by myself and um it's really just shown me that I don't have to be I don't have to be content or I don't have to pretend to be content with what I'm not content with. Um, and that it's okay to want change and it's okay to be afraid of change and that 
um, it all really just adds to your uniqueness and your essence as a person and as a human and how we all are just constantly evolving. And um, I also just learned that it's, I should take a chance and a bet on myself. Like I, again, can do way more than I think I can do. And that oftentimes it's the, the inner chatter of hmm. self doubt and um, even sometimes the outer chatter of uh, you can't or you shouldn't do certain things. That's really just noise. And that ultimately, if you want to do something, you can and you will if you believe in yourself and just put in the effort. Um, and that is exciting and scary <laughs> because. I will totally admit sometimes it's hard to take accountability for what's happening in your life. Yeah. <laughs> and that you, it puts extra um, responsibility on me to be like, I can change my current situation if I want to. I've proven it to myself before. All I have to do is believe in myself and do the work. Um, and that's, that's, that's big. Powerful. Very powerful. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should? Um, let's see. You know, one thing, one thing that I've thought a lot about that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily talk about is I've struggled with a lot over the course of since um, teenage years with body image. Mm. And prior to starting the PCT, I intentionally gained weight because I expected to lose it. And I did, I lost it plus, <laughs> plus like 20 pounds or so. But then coming home, I, I never thought about, I'd always heard about, uh, you know, post-trail depression and, how you miss being on the trail and you just go back to normal life and it's difficult to readjust. But I never thought about the difficulty of readjusting to eating and food and exercise, like as a normal, regular human being, who's not a world-class athlete <laughs> <laughs> exercising yeah. every single day. And it took me until like, very, very recently within the last few months to be like, feel back in my body. Like I had gained all that weight back plus some um, because I'm working remotely or I had been working remotely since finishing the trail. And it's just, I think a lot of people don't think about, we think about the mental change, but not the physical change. And that's, that's a, tough thing to work through to um, especially for me I have always been a very active person um, I also have always been into things like fashion and being cool and like hip but I also felt like was I being was I not being true to myself 
after the trail because as we just talked about, like I went, got home and I got rid of so many things. And so I thought, okay, well, I can't feel good in my body without feeling materialistic. Or if I wanted Mm. to like buy a new dress, it was like, do I need this dress or am I being, am I feeding back into this materialistic thing? And I had to have slowly coming to realize like, it's, I, two things can be true. Like I can be, I can be an outdoorsy fun person and also be myself outside of that. Like that's not all of my personality and all of who I am. And, um, it just took a long time for me to regulate my eating, <laughs> regulate, it's a huge thing. Uh, uh, regulate my exercise, especially with 2020, not really being able to go yeah. to gyms and everyone just being in the house. It was, it took me a good two, three years to really get back into who I am outside of the PCT and being a hiker. Um, and that was, I mean, it's, it's still something I'm working through now and it's an amazing, beautiful experience I would never take back. But I think people should also be aware that it might take some time to readjust and rediscover who you are as a person outside of that experience. Yeah. It's a little bit like you hike the trail, you think you will, you hike the trail in hopes of finding these answers, Mm -hmm. but sometimes the trail gives you more questions, particularly once you come off of it and you have to exist outside of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did go? Yeah. A beautiful thing. And (laughs) exactly what you just said. (laughs) Yeah. How did you related to the, the body issues, the body image issues, Mm -hmm. because you went on the trail, you lost a lot of weight. I would assume gained a lot of muscle mass, Mm -hmm. um, came back then off the trail. How did you, or how have you found peace in that space again, or have you yet? Or is that one of the things that you're still kind of working through? Yeah, I'm still working through it. When when I got off the trail, I was definitely underweight for what I'm used to. I have always been a naturally thicker girl and real robust. <laughs> um, and so I, at first, it took a, an adjustment to me being that thin and that strong. Um, just looking, being obviously on the trail, you don't have mirrors, you don't see yourself, you're just walking along and I might catch a mirror and in a hotel or a hostel, but you know, being back home, I'm seeing myself and my, my body is way leaner than I'm used to. So at first I'm thinking, Oh my God, I love this. I want to stay this way. But I was also triggered by past body issues where I'd be like, well, now I have to focus on staying this way. Like now I have to focus on staying this thin. And then it shifted where, you know, everyone else is like, wow, you're too, you're way too skinny. Mm -hmm. You have to gain, you have to gain weight. Like, 
this doesn't, you don't look good. This isn't what you usually look like. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, I must look sick or something. And so I'm eating like a hiker, but I'm not walking like a hiker. (laughs) And so I um, got back to my normal weight within a few months. And then I started um, a remote job when we moved out to Colorado. And I think then the hiker post-trail depression hit me like a ton of bricks. And so then I'm at home every day alone and I'm just eating and eating and eating and I'm not wanting to go and exercise because we were living in the mountains of Colorado. So I'm like, there's my excuse. I'm not going out there. It's snowing all the time. Screw that. Um, And then I found myself six months later being 20 pounds over what I normally was. And then I just tried to be easy with myself to say, you really, you just did this amazing thing. Um, your body's adjusting, your mind is adjusting, you're adjusting to, to normal life. Um, just be easy with myself. So I tried to not force myself to get back to a certain number um, and just learn to be at peace with my body and say like, I remind myself that I'm beautiful and that I'm worthy and that I'm all of these great things. And that I don't have to be a certain number on the scale to, for that to be true. And at the same time, I wasn't necessarily happy with where I was. So there's that struggle of being like, I'm good enough where I am. And yet I'm not happy. So how do I balance that? How do I find the balance? Um, and so it has been maybe like four months. <laughs> and I hiked the, the PCT in 2018, um, of where I've finally got to a place where I'm meal prepping again, and I'm exercising four times a week and I'm three times a week and I'm going on walks and I'm just keeping my mind and my body um, in, in a bit of a routine so that I feel, I feel, I generally feel better about the place that I'm in and I have lost weight, I've gained weight, I've lost, like it, it goes up and down, but ultimately I'm just feeling better about uh, my level of activity and 2020 was hard for all of us 2021 is <laughs> not looking not auspicious not so looking far too hot <laughs> but we're doing it we're trying we're making it through uh and it's just you know to have to to lose weight that quickly and to be doing something so amazing and to be just kind of in this utopia of sorts and then you come out of it and it's just like what do I do now um there's a there's a lot to be said for that part as well because I know um I don't want to completely tell his story but I know Space Jam has found it difficult to readjust because this last year was the first year he hadn't planned a through hike in three consecutive years and and so even just that part is 
it's it's tough it's you ch- you're chasing that feeling. I mm-hmm. think a lot of the time you're chasing that feeling of excitement and something new constantly and all of these, all of the stimulation and, and greatness. But, and then you come back to life and it's like, that's not, it's not comparable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is part of the reason why, it's not uncommon for people who do the hikes to keep doing the hikes. They're, they, they are living now for the next hike, the next, um, trail. Yeah. Have you, have you, do you look at yourself in the mirror or, or think about your body, be in your body, um, and just celebrate like what, it did for you what it can do, what it does do? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on the day. Yeah. I I try to make a habit of looking in the mirror and being like, you are beautiful. You are great. You, your body is strong. I prove it to myself all the time with some of the exercises and workouts I'm doing. Like it's, I, I'm a, it's interesting when you're aware, you, like, you know, I know my body is strong. I know my body provides so much to me outside of being aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. And yet, <laughs> I know, I know if it were only that easy. Yeah. 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 I, and I, it is, I think it's a huge, it's a huge topic. For, I mean, for I think for everybody, not everybody maybe, but for a lot of people who come off the trail, men and women, mm-hmm. um, because you do have that weight fluctuation mm-hmm. and and eating like a hunger uh, like a hiker when you're not on the trail and that kind of stuff. But it's particularly difficult, particularly challenging for women because mm-hmm. you could start the trail with issues relating to body image and that kind of stuff um, that you're, that you challenge or that you struggle with and, and you have to, you know, work through as your body does crazy things on the trail, but you could also not start with that, come off of the trail, have your body doing these crazy things and develop it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then yeah. obviously the outside influences don't help. Yeah, they don't. And then I, after finishing the trail, I went to a doctor's appointment and I was, as I said, I was practically underweight and I was told that I was pre-diabetic, which according to the doctor at the time, she told me, you know, it, that can change. It changes every three months. So because of all the trash I was eating on the trail, I was perfectly healthy looking, but right. I was pre-diabetic. I'm fine now because I regulated my eating, but it's like, you know, we don't even, I didn't even think about that part. True. Like the, the, yes, I'm losing weight and I'm feeling strong and I feel healthy, but the level of pre <laughs> freeze dried food and <laughs> Candy. Mac and cheeses. 
Yeah, it's all, um, it can contribute also to that. Um, yeah, and it's, it's particularly difficult for me because I have had body issues in the past and, and unhealthy ways of approaching eating and, and food and, and exercise and diet and all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't realize how triggering the trail was for bringing that stuff back up because I had worked really hard in my, in the years leading up to that in my early mid twenties to like get out of that place. And then I go on the trail and it's like, Oh my God, I can have all the things all the time that I have been eating in very, <laughs> very low quantities. And now I'm just a queen, a queen, just enjoying all of this stuff. <laughs> and then I come home and I'm still enjoying all of that stuff, not being able to, you can't turn the switch off. Once it's turned on, it's difficult to turn it, to turn it back off. Yeah. And they do say, again, another trail cliche, um, that the trail, you can't run away from your issues or your, the things that you need to work on further, so to speak, because the, the trail will keep providing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The trail definitely provides. <laughs> <laughs> Irony insert. <laughs> so many things it provides. Absolutely. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to follow your continued adventures or have questions for you or all the things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, feel free to follow me on the Instagram. Um, my name is Nandi. That's N-H-A-N-D-I and underscore underscore is my username. Uh, I'm trying my best. One of my goals of 2021 is to be more active on there. Because I ha I, I've developed this theory where it's like either use it or lose it. So oh, nice. <laughs> I'm either going to use social media or I'm going to be done with it. So uh, follow me on there. I am happy to answer any questions. Uh, I love talking to people. If you're interested in through hiking the PCT or just want to bounce ideas off of me, I'm happy to to speak with anyone. Beautiful. What is your, when you think of the trail, I'm sure that there are many visions that flood your brain, but what's one of those visions when you think of the trail, like that enduring memory for you? <sighs> mm. <laughs> I'm going to say Belden. Okay. Uh, because we, Space Jam and I and our hiker family, our trail family uh, w went back to Belden for the sunset camp out. There's like this big party that happens in the town of Belden, which is like a street. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we all were just so happy. We had so much fun. We had just crossed the halfway point and uh, uh, one of our good friends came out to visit and we just cut loose. We just danced and ate and partied and just had the best time. And that's reminds me of one that I had found a community 
and that, that it was just a moment, a few days for us to be like, wow, we've, we've made it halfway. Halfway was a very long way. And we're still in California. (laughs) And we, we now have a group and we're, we're doing this and we're, proud of each other and we're celebrating one another and it was just such a great experience to to do that with them great people and not to mention um it's really where my relationship with space jam blossomed was on the on the pct we were tested in a lot of (laughs) in a lot of ways um it, what we learned basically was that we're amazing partners. Nice. We work really well together. So the, the entire trail was, uh, I think very integral in us probably even still being together. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the trail can either tear you apart or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> make you tighter, so to speak. <laughs> yep. Did that surprise you? Yes. In all honesty, yes. <laughs> it did. It did. Because we had been officially together for like six months before we hiked the PCT. And there were no red flags of like, we couldn't be that great. <laughs> we also weren't together every single day for 145 days in a row. So it was really amazing to see how the both of us just switched on to pick up, pick up the other person when if he was having a bad day or something was going on with him, I was able to step in and lift him up and he was able to do the same for me. And not to mention just having someone (laughs) that like, while you're going to grab water, can set up the tent. That's freaking awesome. Priceless. Yeah. And then we we also really, one thing that we also did really well was we maintained autonomy throughout the throughout the the trail. Like I had my own stove, he had his own stove. We had the only thing that we shared was our tent. So um, we were able to, we also hiked separately and hiked at different paces. And, um, I, I really enjoyed our level of individuality and togetherness that we kind of worked out. And it wasn't very easy. It took a lot of conversations and a lot of hard conversations. And, um, but at, at, the core of it all, we both just really wanted to experience this together. And so we made it, made it work and, and, um, ultimately became like the best of friends. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Did you ever cowboy camp? Yeah. Yeah. Only uh, we, we did a, a few times in the desert and then we did a didn't again until Oregon. Okay. I definitely wasn't cowboy camping in the Sierra because of the mosquito problem. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, most of our cowboy camping happened in the desert and then maybe like once or twice in Oregon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I think about cowboy camping, but you either love it or you hate it. It seems like. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. The few times that we did because it was easier to pack up in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but I like the comfort of our little tent home because I, I don't want anything crawling in my mouth. I, I'm a exactly. <laughs> I sleep with my mouth open because I like to sleep on my back. So it's like, I don't want to wake up to like a scorpion or, 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 you know, spider in my mouth. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> so I would pull my sleeping bag above my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. There was one thing that I wanted to ask you, and I, as yeah. much as I would love to have it on the the podcast, I just it's a question for me because you mentioned it a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but honestly, I don't have to think about it. Therefore, I don't contemplate it. Which is hair. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like my hair is as short as it is because it annoys the crap out of me, and so I cut it short. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you have a whole different set of issues and and thoughts that have to go into that, Mm -hmm. regardless of I have a feeling the length of it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I had, yeah, I had to have specific types of shampoo, conditioner. Like I couldn't use what was in a hotel or a hostel. So my mom was sending me like bottles of shampoo and conditioners and like oils and things. Um, and I had, it's, it's a process even just doing, I just uh, rebraided my hair yesterday and it's like, <laughs> it took me like three hours from start to finish from combing out, detangling, washing, conditioning, detangling again, braid. It's like, it's, it's a lot. It's, you have to have a dedicated day to do your hair. And so, um, doing that on the trail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because I just had extra weight for, you know, just the essentials that I needed. And then I would always keep my hair in cornrows because having my hair, out and the elements is just not without being able to keep it up regularly Mm -hmm. um, or to keep up with it regularly was just like Mm. a no-go and I even taught Space Jam how to braid because there were sometimes I was like I can't I can't my arms hurt (laughs) (laughs) so I'd be like calling in calling in my troop and just like come fix this one (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get very good at it, but it was like, he tried. He still did it. He tried. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a lot. Um, because again, it just, it's, it takes time and you have to manage it. And there are times when my hair was super dry where I have to just like get into a, a stream or something and wet it just to get the moisture because black hair is dry. So like, the longer we go without 
moisturizing it, the drier it gets and then it can break off. So Ooh. yeah, so it's like you have to constantly be keeping it moisturized and, and oiled and, and, you know, conditioned. So yeah, it was, it was a lot to manage. It's interesting because, and interesting is the wrong word, but mm-hmm. I take for granted, like talking to the, talking about the weight in your pack and so forth. Like mm-hmm. I honestly take for granted, I realize the fact that, you know, I can walk into a hotel and as crappy as that shampoo and conditioner is, it's doable. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to think about carrying it. I don't need to think about finding it because I'm sure a lot of the small towns that the trail goes through aren't going to have any sort of supplies that you could possibly use. Yep. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Because it's just, again, for, especially for my hair type, um, it's all about keeping the moisture in. So a lot of the hair products that are tailored to specifically like white hair or non-black hair really, um, is meant to strip your hair of the oils. And so I can't use that because I'm trying to get my hair as conditioned as possible. Um, so yeah, I just at home, I had, um, I bought the supplies ahead of time and just asked my mom to fill the, and got these little containers and just with any time I asked her to send a box out, she would just include that stuff in there. And then and I, you would just carry it basically with you. And mm-hmm. yep. Another thing that you, I don't think about, but is a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, I would expect like you were like the example you were giving on the episode, the fact that you have to do that, the fact that it takes so long is, is something that can separate you from the community or from everybody else, because you've got to do this mm-hmm. um, and nobody else understands it or, or appreciates what that yep. is. Yep. It was just like, even in one town, I had gone through the whole process and I was like, well, I'm just going to let it air dry and I'll braid it later. And I come downstairs and one of my hiker friends was like, Whoa, when did that happen? <laughs> It's my hair. It's always been here, but it's always been pulled back. And I undid it. <laughs> and it's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's been here. I didn't, you know, <laughs> there's just nothing different. I just washed it and combed it out. It's like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. A huge thank you to Nandi for sharing her stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you want to see our conversation, we now also have a video version of this podcast on our website at hiking-through.com or you can go directly to our brand new Hiking Through channel on YouTube. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with No Dignity, known off-trail as Chaba Winters, about his unexpected adventures on the PCT in 2019. I hope that this conversation 
these conversations inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. I'll see you on the trail. Mm-hmm.